Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Day 30 on Friday, March 17th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, after years of refusing to expand Medicaid benefits in Mississippi, Governor Tate Reeves has signed legislation extending postpartum care for mothers in the state. Then, detainees in a Louisiana ICE detention center stage a short hunger strike to protest their incarceration and treatment. Plus, a look at what contributed to the rising cost of insulin. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Medicaid coverage in Mississippi for women after they give birth has now been extended to a full year. Governor Tate Reeves signed Senate Bill 2212 yesterday, which extends postpartum care from two months to 12. In a statement after signing the measure, Reeves said, quote, I believe continuing to offer care for new mothers for up to 12 months after the birth of their baby is the right thing to do. This is one more thing we can do to tip the scales in favor of life, unquote. For years, Reeves refused to expand Medicaid benefits for new mothers, but refused but actually reversed course last month, saying it's part of his new pro-life agenda. Health officials in the state have been pushing for this change and wrapped up their efforts this legislative session. Dr. Anita Henderson is a pediatrician in Hattiesburg and past president of the Mississippi chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. She tells our Maya Miller, this is a good day for mothers and babies. Having that 12 months of postpartum care will allow those moms to get into their doctors, get that postpartum visit, even if it's beyond that two-month mark, and it will allow them to get their blood pressure checked, any kind of complications from pregnancy, such as diabetes, cardiomyopathy, cardiovascular issues, postpartum depression. It will allow those moms to have all of those conditions treated. And we know that if moms are healthier, if they have their um, weight under control, their blood pressure under control, their blood sugar under control, if they have any sort of infections treated prior to conception of the next baby, then we're going to have better outcomes on those second and third babies. So that is our goal is to reduce our preterm birth rate because prematurity in Mississippi, it, that is what is driving our high infant mortality rates. Now that we've got postpartum Medicaid, we're so close, we're, it, it's in our grips. 
what do you think you'll focus on next? There's still a lot to do in the premature birth space and in the infant mortality space. Prematurity is the leading cause of infant mortality, but it is a complicated issue. Um, healthcare is one piece and having access to healthcare by Medicaid is one piece. We also need to make sure that we have the workforce to take care of these mothers. So whether that be nursing staff, physicians, we are trying to recruit and retain nurses and doctors to work in rural areas in Mississippi. We have to make sure we're working with our rural hospitals and rural clinics to make sure those moms have access. Poverty is obviously a leading uh, issue when it comes to maternal health. Maternity care deserts are an issue when it comes to maternal health. Uh, transportation is an issue. So this is just one step in the right direction. It's the first piece of the puzzle, but we have to continue to look at all those other factors leading to our high mat maternal mortality rates, our high infant mortality rates. Is there anything else that you'd like to add about postpartum Medicaid and the impact that it would have on Mississippi's moms? We will be looking over the next few years at data from the Division of Medicaid, and we hope to have the, the data from the Division of Medicaid in years past, and then compare to what we see moving forward uh, to make sure those moms are getting in for those visits, to make sure they're having their preventive screens. And then we can see if this is having an impact on infant mortality and maternal mortality. If we have 12-month postpartum care, but nobody utilizes it, um, then we're in the same situation. So we need to make sure we educate moms that they have the services, that they have the coverage so they can access the clinics. That's Hattiesburg pediatrician, Dr. Anita Henderson. After the break, detainees in a Louisiana ICE detention center stage a short hunger strike to protest their incarceration and treatment. When you look at your vehicle, think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB-4-CAR. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Immigrants detained in a Louisiana ICE detention center attempted to stage a hunger strike recently. It ended after just two days. But they say they want their grievances heard. Gulf States Newsroom's Bobby Jean Missick spoke with one of the men detained at the facility. The hunger strike attempt at the Central Louisiana Ice Processing Center in Gina involved roughly 300 detainees, according to a press release from Detention Watch Network. Okay, are you there? Okay. Yeah. I spoke through a volunteer attorney to a man we're calling Julio. We've changed his voice and we'll hear from her primarily. Julio wants to remain anonymous for fear of retaliation for speaking out. He says the hunger strike started when they refused breakfast on Monday, February 27. But they started eating meals again by Wednesday. Julio says one of the main grievances is that immigrants are waiting too long to be deported. 
He says a month and a half, two months. We, we don't want uh, people to stay uh, that amount of time. That's why we're doing the hunger strike. Spokespeople from Immigration and Customs Enforcement and from GEO Group, the private company that operates the facility, would not speak for this story, but they sent written statements. ICE did not directly address the questions of long waits in deportations, but sent information about how complex the process can be. And both ICE and GEO Group pushed back against this idea that there even was a hunger strike. That's because ICE has a specific definition, which says detainees must refuse meals for 72 hours. Julio also says that they organized the hunger strike attempt because they feel detention staff are not prioritizing getting detainees the hygiene items that they need to stay clean. He says sometimes detainees wait for hours for toiletries, that they need to get clean for the day. And then they don't even have bags for trash on the weekends. We have to push them so they bring us uh, what we need. So shampoo, toilet paper, toothbrush, and toothpaste. He also says there are leaks in the building structure that let rainwater drip on detainees' beds. In an email, a representative from GEO Group says they regularly hand out hygiene products and refill them on an as-needed basis. The spokesperson also says once the facility learned of the leaky roof, they took steps to fix it. Julio says facility staff have committed to providing hygiene products more frequently. He and other detainees are waiting to see if that happens before organizing a future strike attempt. There have been several protests and hunger strikes inside Louisiana ICE detention centers in recent years. In 2020, a group of more than 40 African men detained at Pine Prairie ICE Processing Center, also a GEO Group facility, staged two hunger strikes, protesting alleged racist treatment, prolonged detention, and poor hygiene practices to mitigate the spread of COVID-19. For the Gulf States Newsroom, I'm Bobby Jean Mizick. The Gulf States Newsroom is a collaboration between Mississippi Public Broadcasting and public media stations in Louisiana and Alabama. Coming up, a look at what contributed to the rising cost of insulin. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Insulin maker Eli Lilly is cutting prices for some older products and giving patients access to a cap on costs for prescriptions. It's a move that could provide critical relief to people living with diabetes, as costs for the medicine have sharply risen the last 20 years. 
Arena McLean is Associate Director of the Diabetes Foundation of Mississippi. In part two of our conversation, we look at the history of insulin and how costs got to where they are. You can go to Walmart, get the older formulations for less than $25. The new insulin analogs, you know, they've been around since the probably the 1990s, I guess. They can vary anywhere from 300 to you know, $600 a vial or a box of pens. It's, um, it just depends what kind you're on. Um, you can look up on a website called GoodRx and put in your zip code and see what the different pharmacies charge um, around, this, you know, your area to get you an idea um, of what the the cost would be, um, you know, full price plus if you had insurance. When did you see a change in the cost of insulin? Probably, um, I would say in the 2000s. Um, I know that when Humalog first came out, we were surprised. We thought it was expensive at $45 a vial, but um, never expected that we would see it. It's really... um, skyrocketed, I'll I'll tell you, in the past 10 years, um, it's jumped up so much. Well, what's behind it? What's behind it? Well, I guess the thought is that it's the structure of how insurance uh, and pharmaceutical companies work together. I guess it's the pharmacy benefit managers. That's uh, the people, I guess, that figure out the price of, of all medications, it's like the middleman between yep, the exactly. doctors and the pharmacy, and they yep. got to get their cut? Yep, apparently so. That's it. The average price of insulin nearly tripled between 2002 and 2013, and this trend has continued with the average retail price of insulin rising 54% between 2014 and 2019. Well, that's that's terrible. I mean that's that's horrible, and uh, that's why this this price cut that Eli Lilly has done is so welcomed, and we're all hoping that it's going to make a huge difference in people's accessibility to this life-saving, you know, insulin. You may not be aware, but before 1921, when Banting, Best, Collip, and McLeod discovered insulin up in Canada. Uh, up in University of Toronto, having type 1 diabetes was essentially a death sentence. You were put on a starvation diet, and many children and young adults that had type 1 diabetes survived for a few months, maybe up to a year on a starvation diet. And you can look at the Frederick Banting House and um, about Banting and Best uh, up at University of Toronto and see the dramatic pictures between children before they had insulin and after with that looked like walking skeletons and after insulin they look like regular kids again because of what mm-hmm. Eli Lilly has done is that going to put pressure on the other two companies to come up with some kind of cap for their I would hope pharmaceuticals I hope it does because you know Frederick Banting who was you know the father of of insulin discovery sold the patent to Lilly for you know 1 or 2 dollars because he didn't want people to go without insulin he he said it belongs to people with diabetes this is following 
in the uh, the wish of Dr. Banting to make insulin affordable. Irina McLean with the Diabetes Foundation of Mississippi. Thank you so much for sharing this important information with us. Thank you for having me on. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.